Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my guest today, Rose Bailey. She's the creator of, well, Shadow of Golgotha, Cavaliers of Mars, and Witch Blood, amongst others, correct? Correct. Welcome. I do a couple games a year, three or four, Real, that, that's um, on varying it. topics. So those come out first for my Patreon uh, subscribers. And then they go to general retail on DriveThruRPG and Itch. I'm pretty much constantly making things in very different settings because my inspiration tends to flow from one subject to another. So I do a whole <laughs> variety of things. Nice. Vampires, time travel, uh, planetary romance. And you have you have quite a history of writing vampire stuff, correct? <laughs> I do. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about some of that? <laughs> sure. I started writing for Vampire the Requiem in 2006. In 2007, I was hired on by White Wolf as the developer for that game, succeeding Will Hindmarch and Joseph Carricker. And I continued to develop it until 2018, which included the very cool clan books, the second edition, which is some of my best work ever. And I also, during that time, ran the other Chronicles of Darkness games and participated in the 20th anniversary edition of Vampire the Masquerade. I have I have seen that floating around. I need, I need to pick that up. The tw- I, I think that's going for a few bucks at 20, 20th anniversary edition, isn't it now? <laughs> yeah, it's like 500 pages. I'm not sure exactly. So if you want the print on demand, it's a hefty price. Oh, it's available print on demand. Is it available yeah. soft cover print on demand? I'm curious. Uh, I think it's hardcover print on demand okay. because the binding needs to be tough to hold together a book that big. Excellent. Now, let's talk about Shadow of Golgotha because, as I understand, you've got an OSE edition of this coming out? Yeah. So, the Shadow of Golgotha is what if the Norman Conquest but vampires? <laughs> The tagline is, the machines enslaved us, the vampires saved us, now all Christendom lies under their rule. (laughs) That's that's very unique. I've never heard of a game like this. (laughs) So the vampires, or as we call them, the noblesse or the nobles, Mm -hmm. are, according to their own mythology, descended from Christ himself. Ah. Christ's uncle, Joseph of Arimathea, took Christ's blood in a cup which became the Holy Grail. He took a sip of it for himself and he became the first noble and cre- and created the Holy Grail. Ah. Because of their divine heritage, nobles are driven off by the sign of the cross, the blasphemous symbol of Christ's death. Yes. <laughs> they are vulnerable to silver because silver was the metal in which Judas was paid. Ah. And they can be killed by a stake through the heart because the cross was made of dogwood. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like that. I like the connections you've made there. That's pretty neat. It's a good way to approach vampire lore. In the game, you play people who are, or I should say the uh, the setting, you play people who are kind of outsiders from society. (laughs) One of them is the half noble, uh, which is a dampier. Another is the gasoline witch who's basically Furiosa if she could use her car to cast spells. <laughs> and another one I really like is the Dream Thief, 
the dream thing. What it sounds like. He steals dreams. Yeah, and finally the um, the uh, virtuoso exorcist, who is a uh, more or less a bard who can turn undead. And those are all classes that will be in the game coming out probably a few weeks before this airs. So, so hopefully by the time this drops, it should be available. If it is, we should have a link in the show notes you can go check out. If not, will it be available at DriveThru? Is that correct? It's going to go up on DriveThru RPG and Itch. Okay, excellent. And we'll get the information where you can find that by the end of the show. So stick around and we'll make sure you all know that. Now, there's another game that you have coming out in the near future that I want to ask some questions about that I'm really curious about. Beautiful Anomalies. Well, this is the second edition of Beautiful Anomalies. I call it a game of exploration and empathy on the razor's edge of time. Nice. I appreciate that. (laughs) You explore different timelines, different planets, the whole multiverse. Yes. And the aesthetic is something I call sufficiently advanced theology. Oh. So uh, the idea is that if you go far enough back or far enough forward, technology and miracles are indistinguishable. And because it's time travel, they always were and always have been or and always will be. I like that. I appreciate that. (laughs) There's uh, a whole variety of stuff in the setting chapter. There's um, union conflicts, conflicts, (laughs) um, angelic watchers from outside time who view time as the Akashic blockchain. Mm hmm. Monsters like the Kirugans, who are dark matter wraiths who steal organs. Oh, my. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this book. I'm curious what kind of character classes are available to play, or is it it a class system type game, or is it it something else? It's a very loose class system. There are three archetypes that are based on your experience with wandering through time. Oh. They are innocent adventurer and stranger i see innocents are people who are new to traveling time and space and view everything kind of wide-eyed adventurers are people who are who are experienced with exploring they tend to be carrying a few mementos they handle dangerous situations with a cool head etc and strangers are people who can never go home because they've become too outside of things by their travels. Oh. Now, these aren't necessarily power levels. Yes. Um, innocence can have theotech powers or whatever from the get-go. It's more about how you relate to the multiverse you're exploring. Interesting. So I know that when we were talking previously, one of the one of the inspirations you dropped was was Sapphire and Steel, which I'm a big fan. Of. <laughs> yeah. to be a, one of the big inspirations of the Homeworld's Guide. And I'm, I'm curious, some of the, are there, so what, what you're getting in the book, is there, are there adventures or is it just kind of, how does it approach the travel itself? Like let's say I'm going to go to a different planet somewhere entirely different. Is there random charts or how is a lot of that handled in the game? Well, one of the cool things is that the game comes with a set of worksheets Mm -hmm. that give you narrative prompts to fill out. So they're divided into categories. The doom, which is the bad thing that's going to happen to everyone if the heroes don't intervene. Oh, no. The villain, who's the 
per- who's usually the person who's bringing about the doom. Yes. And the doom's minions, who are not mooks uh, in the sense of being uh, weak or easy, but they're the kind of undifferentiated servants of the doom. So say in Doctor Who, individual Cybermen or individual Daleks would be minions. Yes. Whereas like the master would be a villain. Yes. <laughs> and in something like Sapphire and Steel, the sort of haunted time would be part of the doom. Yes. Sapphire and Steel didn't so much go for the villains in the original series. Yeah, they did. Th- there wasn't like a baddie running around trying to get them. It was more like bizarre anomalies through space and time, essentially, yeah. than it was anything else. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of this. The other thing that the book includes is a big chapter called The Alphabet of the Impossible. Oh. Now, this is a setting chapter. Mm-hmm. It's consist- It consists of sort of a fake Wikipedia or a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> of alphabetically arranged cross-referenced setting elements. So that's designed so that you can sort of flip to a random page in that chapter and, and get a ton of ideas right off the page. So when it comes to like handling, I'm curious about like when it comes to the equipment and stuff like that, like you've got a lot of different times in, in a laser gun you know, stuff you might have in the far future may not be as equal to what you might find in the Stone Age, perhaps. So I'm curious how some of that was approached. Equipment is largely is, is largely um, tools that you can use for your character's other abilities, mm-hmm. which we call hooks, as in plot hooks. Oh. Basically, equipment just enables you to use those things in new ways. Okay. The permissions, as they call them in Fate. Okay. Now, what is the actual system itself like mechanically speaking so it's a really neat thing that i used in another game in the shadow of golgotha's uh, setting which was called miserable secrets Mm -hmm. i call the system the discovery engine the discovery engine you basically you arrange a set of playing cards on the table and when you look for information you flip two cards They're arranged like a clock. You flip two cards, and if their suits match, you get a clue based on the suit. Okay. So, like, hearts are social stuff. Spades are um, daring actions. And so on. It plays very much like the traditional card game memory or pairs or concentration. And that's how you gather clues. And conflict which uh, we usually call crises. Crises are where you can use your investigative actions to actually uh, defeat bad guys. So so you'd be flipping them over the same way, trying to find the two that match? How does mm-hmm. that work in a combat? Could you give me an example? Physical combat mm-hmm. is handled by an action called confront. Okay. That's basically match two cards and you make progress towards defeating the physical threat. Okay. But the idea behind how crises work <laughs> is that not all characters will be in, fi- in fight mode. Yes. Maybe none of them will be, but say one of them is fighting, other people will use their investigative actions to help that other person. Okay, I like that. <laughs> find weak points in the minions, 
stabilize the crashing ship, stuff like that. <laughs> I like that. I, I feel that the, the subject matter that you're kind of approaching isn't exactly suited for a high combat role playing game. It's not exactly like you like bet like what is battle tech or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really not combat focused at all. Mm -hmm. The actions for combat are basically just the confronted action and the escape action. Okay. I like that. like two of five actions that are in the game. Yeah, I like that. It's generally expected, and this is made explicit in the introduction, that the bad guys will be using violence fairly freely, but the good guys will be using it much less. They'll be using their brains and their um, social skills and stuff like that far more often. And that flows into a neat thing called plot called the plot deck. The plot deck. Now, this is a deck of cards, the one you use for clues. And it has the normal suits and values, you know, your aces through tens, your kings and queens and jacks, all of that. But each card is marked with a plot twist. When you gather cards, you can play plot twists from your hand. Like, for example, Frenzied Chase or Sudden Betrayal or Malfunction. You can play one of those to instigate the plot twist that's on the card. If you do it to help the PCs, you get one card... In exchange, you get you spend one, you draw one. If you do it in a way that complicates life for the PCs, you spend one and draw two. So you're drawing two of the complications. So it's going to end up being more than one, correct? No, if, you, do, if the... you play something that complicates it, you draw two cards, which you can use either as complications or benefits. Okay, I got you. I got you. Each I card can be used one of two ways. Excellent. Excellent. So we're going to be coming up on time here soon. Could you tell the listeners where they can pick up your, your work and where they should go to find you on the internet? Yeah, excellent. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash fantasy heartbreaker. Mm -hmm. You can find my stuff on drive through RPG by searching for the publisher name, fantasy heartbreaker, <laughs> or searching for me, Rose Bailey as the author. And you can find me on itch.io as rose-on-mars.itch.io. And now on your Patreon real quick, what is what are you putting up there so that listeners can go check it out and, and get a sample of that? My Patreon subscribers always get games before they come out mm -hmm. for the public. They get exclusive preview and playtest material. There is a sample game up there. One of my older games is available for free. Uh, and you can get that from a link mm -hmm. on the Patreon page. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been a great, great getting the chance to talk to you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. We could really use the support. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs> <laughs>